Hello, and welcome to Politics Reimagined, where issues aren't just discussed, but solutions are proposed. I'm your host, Dustin Smith. Thank you for joining the conversation. In this first podcast, I will be going over who I am, why I started this podcast, and a quick overview of some of the things going on in the current political world. I will be putting out at least one podcast per week, but because the election is creating so much news, there will be times I put out bonus podcasts. I will always have a podcast come out on Monday, and others will come out if big stories happen. For example, the presidential debate is tomorrow, so I'll be coming out with a podcast the day after, going over the debate. Now, let's get to it. So, a little bit about me. I grew up in Northern California, about an hour north of Sacramento in a place called Yuba City. My family was very religious and my views were shaped off of my religious beliefs, which was Christianity. It wasn't until I went to California State University, Chico, which is pretty liberal, that I started hearing what other people thought outside my bubble. I started to realize that there were so many different types of opinions, depending on how you were brought up and where you came from. I started to question everything I believed in. It's because I never truly heard the other arguments that went against what I had been taught to believe all my life. This really opened my eyes to the world. It wasn't until I joined the Air Force Reserves, though, that I realized how different people were outside of my state and even more outside of my country. Experiencing different cultures really opened my eyes. I've been to many places, including Japan, Germany, I was deployed to Oman, and I've been all over the United States. Uh, About 32 states to be exact. Uh, Not all of them were from the military. Others were from vacations or trips that I had taken. But experiencing other countries and communities has taught me so much. I never thought much of politics until 2016. The only reason I took notice was because I realized without insurance, I'd be fined by the federal government underneath the Affordable Care Act. See, I wasn't supported by my family anymore, and I wasn't able to get on their insurance. It wasn't so much because they couldn't add me, but because they didn't want to add me. And a lot of people face this problem. I mean, we still had issues from when I left the house back in 2010, but uh, I'll get to that another time. I was married at the time in 2016, and through the reserves, it was going to cost me $322 a month. I couldn't afford that. I was in college still. This is kind of ridiculous. I hadn't even been to a doctor in years. Why did I need health insurance? Why was I being forced to have it? I know there are issues that come up, but I've always been healthy. I know I was naive at the time, but paying for insurance would make me broke. So what choice did I have? The ACA would have cost me $400 a month because of how much I made and because the federal government paid for some of it. I would owe taxes when I filed. I had to support my family, and so I voted for Trump in the hopes that I could get that mandate repealed, which brings me into exactly why I started this podcast. But before I get into that, let's take a slight break. I'll be back in a moment.
Thanks for staying with me. So let me tell you why I started this podcast. Back in 2016, I had no idea that Trump winning was going to cause everything to happen. There has been so much going on, and I've watched it all along. I remember missing college classes back in 2017 because the news was so intense. I didn't want to miss a second of it. I couldn't believe what I was seeing on TV. For years, Trump was scrutinized so heavily. I couldn't believe the guy I voted for did so much shady stuff. But then, the Mueller report came out, and I realized the evidence against Trump really wasn't anything. I believe this because he wasn't impeached until Ukraine. They never even tried impeaching him over Russia. If Russia was so bad, then why didn't they impeach him over that? I got tired of listening to reporters and anchors only pushing the narrative they wanted to push. I used to only listen to Fox News, but soon realized I wasn't getting the whole story. They report the news, but even those reporters have opinions and try and shape the story towards how they think of it. In order to get the whole story, I had to watch multiple different news stations so I could make up my own mind on the information I was given. The problem was, why do I have to do so much research to hear the whole story? Americans don't have that kind of time. I wanted to start a podcast that researches into both sides and gives reasonable arguments on every issue from all sides. I'll let you know what my opinion is, but I want to give good arguments for both sides so you can also make up your own mind. Sometimes my opinion will differ from others, but that's okay. I want us to get back to where Americans can talk about politics and not be afraid that their opinion is going to define who they are. I get my news from many sources. I really like watching Tucker Carlson because he always has stories others don't cover. He tries too hard sometimes, but that's okay. I like him overall. I really like watching The Five because uh, Juan Williams always gets bashed on. Uh, but it's also nice because you have a lot of different voices on it to give you multiple different opinions. I also watch uh, Cuomo Live Primetime, Don Lemon, Rachel Mendo, and then I listen to a couple podcasts such as Left, Right, and Center and All the President's Lawyers produced by KCRW. The one thing that irritates me the most about news, though, is they never come up with clear solutions or anything. Everything is generalized. Nothing is specific. They just scrutinize without any way to solve the issue. I want to come up with interesting ideas on how to address the issues. Ideas that could be accepted by all parties. That is my main goal of this podcast. I will be bringing guests onto the show that normally don't talk about politics at all. Most of these people never speak politics, but I want to know what people think. What they know and how they feel. We need to know how Americans feel. Not these people on TV who think they know it all. I don't even think they actually talk to regular citizens. The only information they go off of is polling. I've never been polled before. So who is? I hope in this podcast, I can help get people talking again. If we can't discuss politics, America will fail. Are we really as polarized as the news portrays Americans to be? Or do we just need to create a moderate party to show most Americans are in the center? Are we going to be mute and let the extremists on either side shape the party? Americans need to be heard. I'm tired of having crappy presidents to vote for. 
In 2020, I am stuck with the same problem as I had in 2016. Vote for Trump, who talks without thinking, or vote for Biden, who I believe won't do anything for the American people. I don't really want either person to be president, but I can't not vote, so now I have to decide who is the least worst candidate. I want 2024 to be different. I wish we had a moderate party that could bring the moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans together and show Washington we aren't as polarized as they say we are. They are creating polarization by not giving us candidates that are worthy of being president. Something needs to change. So let's start that dialogue. I will be back in a moment to talk about some current political issues in this country. Stay tuned. Hello again. I want to start off with one of the biggest stories in our politics today, the Supreme Court nomination. As everyone knows by now, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed, which leaves an open seat on the bench of the Supreme Court. To be honest, I'm not sure what the right thing to do is. I can see it from both sides. One side says they shouldn't be able to vote on the nominee before the election because of what happened in 2016. This is a very reasonable argument, only because senators are on tape saying to use their own words against them if a similar scenario ever happens again. But I want to bring up something real quick that is very important. Back in 2013, in order to get people appointed to the federal courts and into executive positions of government, the Democrats instituted a simple majority rule for the Senate instead of the normal supermajority, which would have meant they needed 60 votes instead of 51. One thing people need to realize is that if the party in power changes the rules, those rules can be used against them if they ever lose power. So the nature of the game is to keep the rules the same in order to make sure if your party ever loses power, the new rules can't be used against them. Or if changes do need to be made, make them in a way that the party in power can't just do whatever they want, put safeguards in. In 2017, the Republicans made the same mistake. They changed the rules for a Supreme Court nominee to only need a majority vote. See how this could be an issue in the future? No one is thinking of whether or not changing the rules is going to affect them in the future. Here is another example. If the Democrats pack the court like they say they want to, wouldn't that mean Republicans can also pack the courts when they get back in power? If that happens, during one presidency, laws would be made, and then during the next presidency, the laws would be repealed. It's a yo-yo effect no one wants. The reason the rules are the way they are is because the founders didn't want the party in power to drastically change the country in a few short years. Change should happen over time, not quickly. Quick changes never work out. Just look at the ACA and how controversial it is. Now, let's return to the issue. Should Republicans be able to nominate and vote on a new justice? Quick answer, yes. The president was voted in for four years, not three years and 360 days, but four years exactly. If we got attacked like 9-11, we wouldn't expect the Congress and Trump to not declare war on terrorists just because we have an election. We can't wait until after the election to make a decision. 
We can't expect those who are voted in to not do their job. Do I think what happened in 2016 is okay? No, not really. I think they should have let the vote happen. At the time, they needed a supermajority. They played politics, and now the Republicans are looking like hypocrites. I don't think they care, though, because the Democrats are just as hypocritical, so why not do it? This is why the system needs to change. Both sides are controlled by the extremes of the party. Why are the American people not doing anything about it? You don't have to vote Democrat or Republican. If the American people really cared about politics, the politicians wouldn't get away with hypocrisy. So the question is, should the nominee for Trump be voted on? Yes. Is that what happened? Is what happened in 2016 wrong? Yes. So what should we do? We need to learn from the mistakes in the past and change the rules back to being a super majority rather than a simple majority. If that was the rule right now, guess what? They wouldn't have the votes to vote in the nominee. But there is one thing for sure. If the party in power changes the rules, they better get prepared for those new changes to go against them in the future. When that does happen, you have no one to blame but yourself. Now, another big issue is mail-in ballots. I am only going to touch on this briefly, though, because I want to do some more research to give detailed arguments from both sides, along with my own independent research. The news has dirtied the water on this issue way too much. I haven't heard a single person say that absentee ballots are ripe with fraud, but it sounds as though some reporters are grouping absentee ballots and universal ballots underneath the same umbrella. There is a clear difference. Did you know that the Electoral College was created because the founding fathers knew the general public wouldn't be informed properly to make the right decisions? They understood that people could be swayed without knowing anything about the facts as long as they were told enough something was true. The general public even today doesn't know very much about what they are voting for or what the candidates stand for that they are voting for. For some reason, people vote on party lines without knowing much of anything. Most people get their news from social media, meaning whoever spends the most money will get their message to the most people, and those people will just accept the information as fact. Does anyone want people voting just because they have seen or heard candidates' names more than the other? Should non-informed people be voting for the future of our country? At least if you have to register and request a ballot, you're at least participating slightly. There are still going to be those people who register just to vote along party lines, though, and that is a big issue. Personally, I don't want people voting unless they know something about the people they are voting for. Otherwise, we're just going to get people in office that have more money and can, and can get their message out to the most people. People complain about the direction of this country, but they don't even understand politics. Most people don't even realize the reason we have lost so many jobs since the pandemic is because states have decided to shut down. The president nor Congress has anything to do with it. Yet people blame the president for the jobs lost. Doesn't make sense. If you don't know the system or the people you're voting for, I don't think you should vote. Giving ballots to everyone only helps those who have the most money to spend. Shouldn't we be getting money out of politics, not making it to where the person who has the most money wins? I don't think universal mail-in ballots are good because then we will have more uninformed voters voting. This isn't good for anyone. Is there evidence of fraud? Well, I'll have to give you that answer on my next podcast. So let's move on.
Since I live in California, I will spend some time during my podcast going over issues in the state. Because the election isn't very far away, I would also like to shed some light on propositions that are on the ballot by going deeper into what they will do, as well as go over policies that have already been enacted and how they will be affecting myself and my fellow Californians. I will close out this episode by talking about two things, California's shutdown policy and Proposition 22. First, I would like to address the shutdown. A few weeks ago, there was a judgment in Pennsylvania ruling that shutdowns were unconstitutional. I don't know why this isn't being talked about more. I still don't understand the rationale behind shutdowns, because how can you force a business to close down if they haven't done anything wrong? But the state has the right to reduce occupancy limits, force businesses to mandate face masks when customers enter their establishments, and other things that can help people stay safe. But forcing them to shut down? I still don't understand. The only ones benefiting from this shutdown are big companies like Amazon and Walmart. Did you know that Amazon's stock increased from $1,900 before the pandemic to now over $3,000? That's crazy. Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world because of shutdowns. Does anyone think he might want the shutdowns to stay in place? How can people go back to work if the only companies alive after the pandemic are huge corporations? I don't know why anyone thinks this is okay. I'm going to follow the case in Pennsylvania because the governor appealed the ruling, so we'll, we will see what the appeals court decides. I will also bring you more facts about shutdowns next episode. I understand we need to save lives. Every life lost is tragic. But I want to know why they are necessary and what will happen in the future. The only argument I have heard for shutdowns is people will die. So I will bring you more information on that argument. Before I go over Prop 22, let's take one last break. Welcome back. The last thing I want to leave you with is Proposition 22 in California. In 2019, California passed Assembly Bill 5 that requires companies to classify workers as employees instead of independent contractors if they meet certain criteria. The funny thing is, the tech companies, Uber, Lyft, Postmates, DoorDash, and others, have decided not to follow the new law and instead helped create Prop 22 that carves out an exception for those companies so they don't have to classify workers as employees. Gig workers have no idea what the work would be like under the new law because instead of following the law this year, the big tech companies have decided to fight all litigation in court until they could get Prop 22 passed. So because they have a ton of money, they have decided to pay fines rather than reclassifying workers as employees until Prop 22 passes. Sounds shady? Why is California allowing this to happen? Also, Prop 22 has received over $181 million in campaign funds in order to get it passed. This means Prop 22 has received more campaign money than any other proposition in U.S. history. This made me very interested in the measure. If they want to spend that much money on the proposition, then it must be better for them than it is for the workers. 
I want to get more facts on this, but what I do know is that if Prop 22 doesn't pass, the tech companies will be forced to pay gig workers the whole time they are on the clock. This means they get paid from the minute they get an order or customer request until they deliver the order or drop off the customer. They would also get paid while waiting for another passenger or order to go get. This was one of my biggest issues when I was doing Uber, Lyft, and Postmates. I've been a gig worker off and on since 2014, so I have a lot of experience with how the app works. I hated not getting paid while waiting for an order on DoorDash or Postmates, and what I hated most about Uber was if a passenger was 10 to 20 miles away, you don't get paid for the trip to go pick them up. It wouldn't be as bad if you could just cancel the order because you don't want to drive that far, but if you cancel the order, you ruin your stats and you lose out on bonus money. The bonus money you get at the end of the week is the only thing that makes driving for these companies worth it. It's not like you get a lot of tips from good work because millennials are horrible tippers. I should know. Tech companies say if workers are labeled as employees, they will lose out on flexibility and thousands of jobs will be lost. I want to see how true that is because I think workers will still have a lot of flexibility being labeled as employees because companies like Amazon have learned how to do flexible scheduling while still labeling workers as employees. As for jobs lost, gig workers are on multiple apps at all times. It would be so nice to only be on Uber or only on Lyft because you knew you got paid for your downtime as well. Right now, drivers have to leave both their Lyft and Uber apps open and wait for which one gets a request first. If drivers had to choose which company they wanted to work for, it would make the labor market more competitive. So this makes me think all the jobs would still be there. Uber and Lyft would have to compete for drivers, thus causing competitiveness in wages. This brings up their other argument. If Prop 22 passes, prices will go up for consumers. Well, this could be a possibility, but price will only go up if people are willing to pay it. If people can't afford the services, they will go with another service. Might open up the market for more localized players. I will look into this further and give you some more information in my next podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and please leave me a review if you can so this podcast can get more attention. Make sure to keep an eye out for my podcast going over the first presidential debate. Hope you have a great day. Talk with you again soon. Bye.